Alrighty, we're back uh, for your favorite podcast of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 568, and we are recording on May the 10th. Uh, Brianna, how's it going? It's going good. It's, uh, you know, another beautiful week here in paradise. What can I say? How about you? You're somewhere new? Same. Yeah, I'm uh, obviously in a new place. I'm in Amsterdam right now uh, in my hotel here. Uh, I am speaking uh, this week at the Geospatial World Forum. Uh, obviously, lots of location stuff going on around that. Uh, a lot of our members, a lot of um, you know different ways to think about how geodata is being used here. Uh, everything from because of the nature of the Geospatial World, World Forum, it's everything from, you know, agriculture use cases to, you know, marketing and advertising and real estate and sort of everything in between. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's pretty fun. It's, uh, it's, you know, always interesting to hear kind of what people are doing and how they're coming out of COVID and all of that kind of stuff. So excited about my panels and sessions that I have uh, this week. Yeah. Maybe next week you can tell us if there's any like big winners or just really exciting things that are going on in yeah. that world. Yeah, for sure. But as per usual, we have a good show for you, four stories, uh, a range of things this week. So I'll let Abriana kick us off. All right. Well, this uh, first story is a mashup of a few large companies. Um, Walmart is now letting uh, shoppers, mobile shoppers, specifically users, find recipes and make meals with just the ingredients that you have at home. So whether that's in your fridge or your pantry, um, you can do this. So if you are a Snapchat user and you have a Walmart um, app as well, this is called Snap, Scan and Shop. So it's made available through Walmart, Snapchat, and then Meredith's um, All Recipes company. So any, anybody who has a Snapchat app installed on their phone, you can point your camera, scan the food that you have available, and then you tap this library where all these healthy food recipes, they're also promoting healthy foods, by the way, um, all these like healthy food recipes, you know, come with, up with suggestions based on what you have. And then if you need extra ingredients, you are directed obviously to Walmart to shop online and get those extra products maybe that you're, you're missing. So directly through the app, I think this is very interesting to me because it's very targeted in terms of what type of shoppers it is, but I think more and more of us are shopping from our phone. I'm constantly doing like Fresh Direct or something, you know, Target having it delivered just because I need something last minute. Um, and, you know, convenience is the name of the game in these days. We're, we're working from home and in essence, that should make things easier to do, but I'm not sure that's actually the case all the time. Um, so, you know, they're really targeting millennial and Gen Z consumers, particularly because they're saying that um, according to a study done by Accenture, they will make up 62% of the global social commerce spending within three years. That is insane, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, obviously those consumers are traditionally found on TikTok on Pinterest, Instagram, Snapchat, right? All of these social um, engagement platforms. And so creating that more native shopping experience within those platforms. I mean, I know for me just scrolling Instagram, like I am constantly sucked into buying something. Um, I have to stay off of there, it's dangerous, right? So I can only assume that those generations younger than me, whenever you're integrating the technology like you have with a snap lens and um, the, the image recognition advancements that tech is making, you know, specifically through some of those products and tying it directly to um, the retailers. One, I think that it's a great business model for 
TikTok, Snapchat and the like, right? But I also think that it's a great way to connect with those consumers and just put the ball in their court, right? Like you're coming to where they are rather than trying to get them to shop um, and purchase through traditional ways that maybe other generations have done in the past. So I think that this is, you know, really interesting. And this is not like the first foray that Walmart has had, um, you know, in the shoppable food area either. So last year they did uh, a partnership with Kraft Heinz and they did like these shoppable cooking videos. So, you know, they're just kind of like trying to keep testing the waters, keep putting, you know, I think like dipping their toe in different technologies and figure out what resonates. But I think this one to me, like out the gate sounds like a clear winner. And I really, I want to try it because I'm always like, oh, what can I make with what I've got? You know, I don't want to have to run to the store to pick up something else. So I think this is genius, but then you are obviously going to be in discovery mode. And when you're looking at those recipes, you think, oh, maybe I'll make this or maybe I'll make this. Um, and so then you're going to be ready to order like the additional products that you need perhaps for the future. So love this. I think it's great um, model on all fronts and I like the technology they're using. Yeah. So just quickly echo everything you just said. I think it's a great combination of kind of the three parties coming together here. You know, it's interesting. What's interesting for me is we, we see a lot of this type of stuff, you know, in store with like, you know, what's in the shopping cart, like when you're there, you know, like using sensors or things like that. There's been other projects that, you know, we've highlighted on the show in the past years where, you know, um, it uh, they've had technology integrated to the point of sale system. And then it like looks at what you've just what you've just purchased and then on the back of the receipt that comes out is a recipe recommendation i know that i think it was hellman's that did, did a project like that some years ago you know if you had mayonnaise in there and it would like put everything together and make up a recipe for something you know with that but it would be printed on your receipt um but what i like about this is this is based on like actually what's in your fridge what's at home um you're not even in the store uh physically and they're you know giving you recommendations based on what you've already got and then if you're missing items or you need additional things then it pushes out to obviously walmart.com and through the app and you can kind of order and, and you know sort of add the items that you need so so i like that it's kind of you know not just immediately driving you to the store it's like you know starting with what you've already got and trying to create some added value uh, through the app and through the partnership with all recipes and, and, and of course they're leveraging, you know, you know, sort of relevant current technology with the snap AR lenses here. And, you know, we talk obviously a lot on the show about AR and metaverse and this, that. So obviously that, that segment, that population that you talked about, you know, 62%, uh, you know, people, you know, is, uh, is a big number. So, um, I think it makes sense. So I, I really like it. All right, on to our second story. So another retailer, uh, Joanne Stores, this is a specialty arts and crafts retailer, uh, you know, wanted to kind of get into, you know, doing some location-based uh, geofencing with its stores and in-store mobile offers. They actually, you know, were first thinking, hey, we'll build our own in-store, you know, in-house solution realized, hey, you know, we don't have the expertise and the capability to do that well, um, and then started looking out you know, for, for vendors that could help them. And they ended up partnering with Radar uh, on, you know, a solution around this. Um, and so basically it checks, you know, to see, you know, where the person is within a uh, Joanne store geofence. Uh, and then once the user's inside the store, it pushes a free shipping coupon, uh, encouraging the customer to place an online order if the item that they're looking for in the store isn't available. And so what I like about this is, you know, that that initial use case that they're driving this to isn't, you know, people are physically shopping, they're in the store, 
and maybe whatever it is that they want isn't, you know, it's out of stock or it's not available or whatever. But rather than you leaving the store to then go and find, you know, a, a, an alternative product at a competitor or whatever else, they're letting you sort of, um, you know, order right then and there from their, you know, from their online um, e-commerce site, but doing it within the store and offering you free shipping and kind of using the mobile technology to detect your presence to, to enable that to happen. So I kind of think that's that's a great, interesting use case um, to try and, you know, keep people you know within the Joanne environment um, and you know of course they have other uh, you know other use cases for this uh, as well um, you know that, that they can do around um, you know different you know couponing or different types of, uh, of services that they can offer based on your location data and just to share, share some numbers uh, they say in-store mode Joanne's in-store mode within their app um, gives is giving people a reason to opt into location sharing. In fact, they're saying 89% of app users are opting in to share location. That's a huge number. Um, you know, you don't you don't see numbers like that, uh, you know, all the time. Uh, and they say in-store uh, coupon offers powered by Radar's Geofence. They're gen they've generated more than 25,000 incremental orders with an ROI of 718%. Um, so seems to be working well for them, right? That's what the numbers are saying. What are your thoughts on this, Abriana? You know, it's timely that we're covering this story. I was actually just in a Joanne Fabrics store um, a couple of weeks ago, and I just had to run in and get buttons. If you know me, you know I love a good thrift store, so I had to replace some buttons on a new blouse that I bought. Um, so I ran in and I don't, here's the thing. I am all for a great mobile program. I love and I applaud the retailers that put focus there. And I think those numbers are great data points. But the issue with Joanne is not their mobile program. The issue with Joanne is that their customer service is awful. Like every time I go in a store, there's no employees that care. They're on their phone. They're never like in a hurry to check people out. The store is a disaster. Like that's where you should be investing in because if I go into your store, I don't want to order anything online. I just want to get out. I don't want to support that. So for me, it's like a mix up of priorities. And if it was just one Joanne store, I'd be like, oh, maybe it's just that one. I'm like, no, it's every single one I go in. <laughs> so yeah, we don't have them. So I can't, I can't comment on that in Canada. You know, what's interesting is like, okay, every time you go to a Chick-fil-A, I would say 99 times out of a hundred, you have a great customer service experience and the mobile offers and the mobile like in the app that shopping experience is amazing so it's the conjunction of those two pieces that make people want to be there and shop so i think one it's amazing that you're getting 89 percent of people opting in for location imagine how much more that would be if people came into the store and they had a really good experience just because the people were also reflective of that experience that you have on mobile so I like the efforts. I think it's great to keep people there. I think it's a good application of geofencing. I'm not sure on like in terms of reach how many mobile app users Joanne has. Um, I had been in their rewards like mobile program where I would get texts for offers all the time. Rarely did I cash in on them, but I'm also not like a big artsy craftsy person. So, um, you know, I can see where that resonates really well. So I think that they're doing a great job there. And I love that they're, you know, a traditional fabric kind of craft store trying to do more tech savvy things, but I think there needs to be an alignment between the experience that you have in the digital world and the one that you have in the real world. Fair, okay. All right. 
Okay, so let's go to something kind of, um, you know, like, like a, that, that touches the heart here a little bit. This is um, a good combo of, I would say, like philanthropic and uh, good technology. So, or I should say advanced technology, but this company is called Homestart and their focus is to help uh, raise money in essence, but like raise awareness, raise money for families who are um, in threat of eviction, right? So they're doing this through the metaverse. They are selling digital apartments in the cornerstone metaverse. Um, so this is a not-for-profit organization and they're really dedicated to ending homelessness. And the project is called Inverse. So families who are on the brink of eviction, they're going to be getting this support you know, from Homestart. And they do that because the price of these apartments are starting at around uh, one Ethereum, which is about $3,000 US dollars. And so approximately that is the cost of what it would take to halt an eviction um, and provide 12 months of support for a family in a major city in the United States. So, uh, you know, they threw out some stats that I thought were very interesting, which was in 2020, nearly 600,000 Americans were regularly unhoused. That's insane. Um, you know, this was, this is obviously like they're behind rent, the risk of eviction. COVID did not help with a lot of this, you know, surging housing costs. We've seen this, I think, all over the world. It's just been um, insane. And so Cornerstone is what they're calling like the most, the first photorealistic metaverse. So they're building these complexes in this virtual world. Um, it's created by Zone, Z-O-A-N, which is a virtual studio out of Helsinki, Finland. And it's set to open at the end um, end of 2022. But these NFTs, there's going to be a total of 49 of them that are going to be available. And there's eight floor plans. So there's a Boston-based architecture firm called Icon designing these. So if you're interested in like buying digital real estate in the metaverse, and you know you just want to like buy a cool NFT and support a great cause, definitely check this out. Um, you know, this resonated with me, not only because NFTs are a hot topic, people are trying to figure out how do they get involved, like where do they kind of start to explore this, is it art, is it, um, you know, something maybe around the sports world, and this to me is very cool, uh, but it made me remember just a few days ago, our friends at Samaritan, who are also focused on using technology to help end homelessness, specifically Bluetooth technology that they have implemented in Seattle, they just had an investor come along and they, it's called Acumen. So Acumen, if you are listening to this, definitely check out this company as well, but they are focused on investing into scalable poverty alleviation across the world. Um, and so I thought, hey, this is like, it's great to see and hear more of these stories happening, using tech for good, helping in homelessness. I fully support this. Um, and this is an NFT project I could get behind and like get excited about a little bit more. What do you think? 1000%. So uh, I, first of all, you know, it's great that you brought up Samaritan. I, I, I can still remember when we had our retail local conference in Seattle and we first had Samaritan there. Um, and uh, I think the guy's name was Rain or um, yeah. something like that. 
I think it was Rain, uh, this this homeless uh, individual uh, that came on stage and shared his experience, you know, with the Samaritan technology and how it helped him feel like, you know, somebody that was normal, somebody that was, you know, part of society and recognized. And, you know, the Samaritan Project was about sort of connecting, you know, everyday, you know, uh, citizens with homeless uh, individuals, but letting you actually know who they are and what their story is and how they became homeless and, you know, sort of actually connecting with them. And Samaritan's, you know, tagline is walk with, not by. Um, and, uh, you know, I so I love, you know, all of these kinds of, uh, of projects. And, and so I think this is obviously NFTs. We've been talking about NFTs for, you know, months and months and months on the show now. Um, but I love that, um, you know, you can sort of jump into that world, you know, at a fairly, you know, relatively low cost point, you know, relative to, you know, what we see NFTs going for these days, $3,000 um and buy a piece of virtual real estate and know that by doing so you know that you're also you know helping people stay off the streets in the real world um which you know i think is the it is you know the world we all still live in right we're not living in virtual worlds you know we're living in a real world and uh and that's the world where there's so much pain and suffering and 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 people you know with need and so i love that you know homestart is is doing this and i love that um you know they're they're seeing you know this opportunity around virtual real estate and I, I did like have a chance to go play around or at least check out um you know the um the cornerstone metaverse a little bit and it's beautiful like this photorealistic you know sort of imagery they talk about it's really quite something um so you know i'm i'm encouraged to see you know more and more of these types of projects so yeah awesome awesome stuff all right on to our final story for this week, completely different now. We're going to jump over to Italy. Um, and there is a startup in Italy called Vado or Vado, V-A-D-O. Uh, they're based in Turin uh, and they're a software company that, uh, and, and Vado stands for Vending Automatic Delivery Operations. So they're in the vending machine business. And they've introduced a new e-commerce solution that essentially uh, links up, you know, sort of Uber Eats uh, type of functionality. In fact, they, you know, they've teamed up with delivery apps like Uber Eats, Deliveroo, Glovo, and Just Eat. Um, and then they you know, sort of embed their software into these vending machines. And now you can sort of, you know, just like you order from restaurants and have it delivered via Uber Eats or, or like services, now you can order from vending machines as well. Um, and so the driver, basically the order comes in, the driver just receives the order, travels to the vending machine, punches in a code on the machine, the machine spits out the order, dispenses it in a, in a bag, and then the rider can, you know, deliver that, you know, to the customer. So it's completely the same as a restaurant order, but coming from a vending machine. And so these guys have, um, a bunch of their own vending machines in currently in four cities in Turin, Milan, Rome, and Salerno. Uh, but they also have uh, five uh, sort of external customers where that operate their own vending machines. Um, and they, you know, the software is designed that it can work, you know, third party with any vending machine, I guess. Um, and so they have a bunch of customers like that as well. So I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, I don't, you, you know, I, I'd be, there wasn't any detail about sort of what's in these vending machines products wise or selection and inventory, but I'd be interested to see kind of, you know, what, types of, of products are available there because you know I, I can obviously it's easy for me to picture you know what I order from a restaurant and have delivered to me um, 
it's it, it's a little more challenging for me to think about what I would want from a vending machine per se, but maybe that you know that could be things like I don't know um, cigarettes or cannabis products or you know other things um, that you know are available in vending machines uh, over North America at least um, you know that uh, you know you see in different in different situations and if they have age verification technology and things like that built in even better so. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Well, you know, of course, I, my first thought was, what kind of food can I get? Can I get like Italian pizza, you know, freshly made out of a vending yeah. machine? I don't think so. Um, yeah, and I was like, do they still sell cigarettes in vending machines? I don't know that I've seen that in a long time. Um, you know, like the old school bars where you had to put in a ton yeah. of quarters. But yeah, I, I mean, I think this is interesting, but it also makes me think of like what kind of, vending machine opportunities are there for like mini kitchens right you know you you put the you kind of let's say it's pizza and you perfect this pizza that a vending machine oven can make and kind of just automate there um and it's got the ingredients inside of it and it kind of just does its thing and spits it out you know upon delivery i think that could be really interesting but i think it all comes down to like what is the what's the model because we've also seen a lot of these other these stores that were on wheels, right? Where you just have yeah. the store that comes and if there's cigarettes and chips and soda and the little things that you might get out of a vending machine, to me, that model makes much more sense because one, you kind of eliminate as much of like the supply chain aspect as like the driver going to the vending machine and then delivering it. Um, and you also have the opportunity to upsell because everything is right there in front of the consumer when they walk outside their door and there's this cart and it's got all the stuff in it, right? So I think that it just depends on what's what's the model here and and you know what's the price point if it's just chips and you've got to pay a driver, you know there's like I have questions but yeah so I I just jumped on their website to like check out a bit more and so it says you know they've got kind of six main categories so they have what they're calling um, you know uh, like pharmacy type stuff so from condoms to supplements. You know, then they've got late night like snacks and sweets, donuts and packaged pastries and things. They have alcohol as a category. So they're, I guess they're vending machines that have alcohols or juices or, you know, whatever. And then there's beauty, like so makeup and things like that. So so I guess like, you know, if, if it's kind of the kind of thing where, you know, you don't have stores that are open 24 hours or there's limited hours and there's something, you know, like you need and there's a vending machine, you know, I guess that carries those kinds of things. I guess that makes sense, especially if it's late night or... I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Yes. A woman cannot live without her lipstick in the morning. You know, if something breaks or gets lost. You got to get something, right? You got to get something. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, very cool. Uh, a good range of stories for this week. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Uh, this has been episode number 568 of uh, Location Weekly. We thank you, as always, for your time. Please reach out if you have story ideas or feedback. We'd love to hear about it, and uh, we'll be in touch next week with yet another show. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.